DP World Tour, actually formally called the European Tour, is one of the leading global professional golf tours alongside the PGA Tour, which is based out in America. The DP World Tour's competitions attract the biggest golf pros, the biggest celebrities for pro-ams, and of course the biggest sponsorship deals you can think of, an area we'll actually be focusing on this episode. Callum and I speak to Alex Scott, the DP World Tour's sole sponsorship coordinator. As a Life Ads episode, we dive deep into Alex's role, asking questions such as what team actually works in, where the team sits within the tour, how he actually got the role in the first place, the skills he needs to do his job well, and of course understanding what a day-to-day looks like for him. In addition to all of this, Alec is even sharing some of his advice, suggestions, and what he would do next time to prepare better to become a successful sponsorship coordinator. So if you're into sponsorship within sport, you definitely don't want to be missing out on this. So without further ado, you're listening to the AP Sports Podcast, the podcast that provides you the aspiring professionals insight into the sports industry, all at a relatable level. awkward times but obviously now we're on video but first to start about saying nothing to your job and saying a bit different to break the ice and I'm fully aware that you're a massive Liverpool supporter obviously the time we're recording now you guys are third in the league where would you think you guys will be when it comes to May or April June when we finish the league uh, to be honest I reckon we'll probably be around the same thing Chelsea at the minute are just on a different level they seem to be just dominating everyone City Again, look, look a look a strong force again, like every year. Um, I assume they're probably going to buy someone in, in uh, January as well. And then you've got Africa Cup of Nations coming in, which might also affect a few things. But yeah, I reckon we'll probably stay the same. Uh, I think it'll come down to the last few weeks of the season where a couple of last minute injuries or people just not really finding their rhythm that we did like a, a couple of years ago. So yeah, I think we'll probably be around the same and, and still fighting for that for that title. And then it's yeah. going to come back to Liverpool by the end of the year. We're going to win it all. Yeah. <laughs> Champions League. It's a tight one. Well, I wish me and Callum could talk about our teams, but we're both ones in the championship and ones lower down the table. So right. there's no dig, point in our input. Out, then. That's fine. <laughs> but who do, you support, who do you support, Callum? I'm a West Brom fan, mate. So you like, you like playing us a lot. We seem to concede about five goals on average against you. So... Yeah, you kind of you you like playing us. We'll put it that way. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, we'll get to the main of obviously get to the main event stuff and like Callum, you can obviously kick off. Yeah, all right, we'll we'll crack on then. Um, so I mean, look, you know, Alec, you know, you work for the European Tour, which is now called the DP World Tour. Um, and we'll get onto that name change a little bit later. Um, but you know, the purpose of the episode, which is your role now as a sales coordinator. But for the listeners who aren't golf freaks, you know, I'm no golf freak at all. Could you explain what the DP World Tour is, the importance of it? Yeah, so like, like you said, um, recently changed only a few weeks ago. We've we've now became what is the DP World Tour. Uh, it used to be known as the European Tour, which was when it first originated, um, was always about golf in Europe and trying to get golfers playing around on the circuit um, playing against the likes of other people from the UK, Europe, Ireland, everything and what's kind of happened, developed over the year is that it's now became such a global sport in terms of players all over the world, South Africa, China, Australia, America, are all now starting to congregate. And that also meant that we then had to expand our footprint and start playing outside of Europe. Um, and, and hence why we're now looking, we look to kind of expand the name and, and along came DP World. And, and it was a great opportunity for us to then take that name and and convert into what is now the uh, the DP World Tour, and and that's now something that 
runs nicely. We see ourselves as what is golf's global tour. You've got the likes of the PJ Tour, which is based in America, who have a very a big focus on playing across from east to west coast uh, throughout the year. And, and obviously the sun never really sh- really shines in, in America. So they have the luxury of being able to play from one coast to the other throughout the year. Um, unfortunately in Europe, we definitely have four seasons here, um, def- especially in England. Um, so it means that we kind of have to chase the sun uh, around the world. And we have that luxury to be able to do that because there's, there's great golf courses all over the place and, and we have the, the ability to kind of go and, and test them and put our, our professional players under the cosh almost and, and, and test their skills. So it's a great opportunity and it's a great, it's a great deal from us because we are able to then try and use that IP of the world tour and, and, and from DP, DP itself and, and show that we aren't just a, a European based company. We actually are now taking on a, taking on the globe with events, obviously now in, in South Africa, um, UAE, and then we've got some returning with it, with Asia post, uh, post COVID. It's quite good. Cause you, from, from the outset, from me, you know, the European tour was, you know, you've got the PGA, as you said, the American, you got the European tour was always sort of the, the little brother as such. So it's, it's been quite nice or it seems like that from a, a non-golf perspective. So don't crucify me out there. Um, <laughs> But it seems that now this sort of rebranding has, as you said, you know, encouraged other countries, players, federations, really, to join together now and make this, if not on the same level as the PGA, or surpass it because you're further afield, you know, all around, all around the sort of continent, really. Um, so it seems to be quite an interesting move from from yourselves. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean. The PGA Tour itself is is a is a company do everything and and and, and Americanize it if, if, in a sense that and you see that happening across a lot of sports the way they they approach games such as American football, ice hockey, everything like that. It's all on a larger scale. Hence, um, and golf's the exact same in America that they've got the the investment and the funds to be able to try and make everything. 10 times bigger that sense and and the americans love the way that the, the golf is perceived over there it is definitely one of their their top sports whereas you find in europe there's a few countries where there is great golf courses but you just don't get that same attraction that americans do um so it does put that little bit of challenge in for us but what we're definitely seeing is now a lot of nations federations like you said are are starting to promote the benefits that golf have massively to people and people are starting to obviously take that under their wing and starting to get a lot more invested in the sport and that just only means better things for us as a rights holder um, and it's great to kind of get that part of part of support from that that the federations to kind of help boost us in in that and, and bring that bigger bigger audience to us no, I mean, look, you know, you gave a fantastic overview of, you know, DP World Tour there, you know, how it's evolved, what you're looking to achieve, you know. Um, I think the company will be very, very pleased with your effort there. Um, but what we'll do, really, you know, is, is scale it back to you now. Um, you know, how long have you been in your role as a sales coordinator? Just over two years. So it started in 2019, September 2019, following graduating from a straight out of university. Okay. Good. And I mean, look, it's it's important for, I know, and this is the idea of especially this episode is, you know, it's important to share to our listeners, to the people out there, you know, how you got your opportunity with them. Because obviously, you know, as everyone being an aspiring professional, um, you know, how did the role come about? How did you find it? Was it just purely an application only? You know, talk to me more about that. So I would say it really 
it stemmed from uh, my second year of university. So I studied at Northumbria University, um, which is the polytechnic of, uh, of Newcastle. Um, so all the red brick universities will be laughing and chuckling themselves to that. But yeah, what I studied, I studied sport management. And part of that, my uh, three-year course was a 12-week placement that we kind of had to go and find out ourselves. We set up our own LinkedIn pages. We had to get, to, we got tutorials around how we use the platform. Because what you'll find is that, Whoever you meet in the industry will have a LinkedIn platform and will actively use it. Uh, and you can use that for your benefit in terms of whether you're looking to do research for a job or whether you're trying to find insight or knowledge around someone that you're going to do a proposal to in, in, in your role as a job. So that kind of helped us start it. But what also was a benefit was that in town of the year was um, the British Masters, which is one of the main UK events that is on the DP World Tour schedule that was being placed at Close House um, that Lee Westwood hosts. And my head module leader of the course used to work with my, who's my boss, uh, Max Hamilton, and uh, was able to kind of arrange a talk that was going to take place at the university to kind of, for Max to give an introduction to around the business, what was the European tour at the time. Um, unfortunately, I missed it because <laughs> I had uh, I had hockey I had hockey commitments. Um, is that the is that the official reason why you missed that? <laughs> in my distance heads, that that was the reason. Now I can't confirm nor deny if that was the actual <laughs> reason. Um, but no, I, I think it was uh, on a Wednesday, so I was uh, I was away playing hockey. So fortunately, I missed it. But what I thought I'd do is I would drop my module leader a note to see if there was any possibility that he could ke- connect me with Max. Um, to see if there was any internal placement opportunities are going available at the tour. After a couple of weeks of obviously no response, he then came back to say that, that there was an opportunity there for me to come along and, and, and do my 12-week placement at the, uh, at the European tour. And we kind of had a call before and they made me do a little bit of homework and research to kind of see where I kind of was based in terms of well, in my understanding of sponsorship and, and how I would go and approach it. So they kind of assess that and said that yeah you've got some sort of basic knowledge uh, I must say it was very basic knowledge at the time so they kind of said that we'll take you on board and kind of let you do the 12-week placement so that's where my introduction to the tour kind of started um, I then moved straight down it was about 10 weeks before so just after the, just after the new year and then moved straight down to London I tried to sell my bedroom that I was renting on spare room to someone random, obviously to try and save a bit of money. That didn't work. Uh, so then I found a new room down uh, down south and I ended up paying two rents for a bedroom in Newcastle that I didn't use and a, a bedroom down in uh, Egdon, which I was living in. So it was an expensive move in terms of that, but the experience there kind of outweighed what I was actually spending the money on. Um, I was able to kind of get some great experience from that and that's I mean like I mean just just jumping in now Alec really you know and scaling it back you know the, the initial obviously you, you missed it for whatever reason the initial talk but you know that key connection from even just asking your lecturer or whoever just to put you in contact you know you a lot of people would have just gone oh I've, I've missed my chance whatever um I'll get the next one but you didn't you actually went and proactively sourced it so even though you knew oh okay I've missed it you still went out and seized that opportunity. And then obviously it all fell quite nicely into place for yourself. Obviously it was a little bit of a 
I imagine an assessment, as you said, you know, in terms of your your basic knowledge of sponsorship and sports to see if this guy is actually really interested in it. So it seems that, you know, off your own back, really, you managed to get this on again. You know, you were given the opportunity and the, the, the sort of the talk, but again, you missed it. So you had to make up for it and you did. And it's quite nice that you sort of persevered with that because now I don't think, or do you think that, you know, if you let, this opportunity to go, you then you would have ended up here I, or what? No, I probably wouldn't have ended up where I am today. Um, and I think the reason why I, I, I so proactively went for that is that obviously it helps that I'm, I am a golf fan. I do play golf myself. So I think if it was to be any sort of other rights holder that I didn't have an interest in, so I don't want to shoot myself in the foot here for any future podcast, but um, if it was a netball or something that I'm not got something that I've interested in massively that at the time of when I was looking for it, then I probably wouldn't have actively gone looking for it. But because it was something that I have played for, for so long and obviously I've got a massive interest in, then it's something that kind of appealed to me. The key things I think from there is the word being proactive and you were keen in a way, like people said that you were keen and you you went for it. And as well, the, the other key thing is you, as you said, when you get to obviously pay for two rooms up in Newcastle, then you get to pay for a room down in Egan, wherever you were. But you, at even such a young age, were seeing, you know, yes, financially I'm losing here, but I'm not because as a whole, experience-wise, I'm winning. I'm only winning. And it would, it, you never know where it can bring me. So I think... It's so good to hear that someone has been keen and proactive even when you're at uni, because I understand people at uni don't like to be seen that way. And two, you obviously saw the value of it. But as well, like anyone could have, well, I don't know whether people did, but anyone could have messaged your lecturer or said, I'm interested. Like anyone could have, but like you were the one person who showed that keen interest. And of course, I mean, why would they not say, I can try and put you forward or try and have a, a chat with them? So it's really good to see and refreshing. And I think it's good to hear from, from a uni student perspective of hearing someone doing that because no one really talks about that because they don't know because no one says. It's nice that it's, it seems to be that you, you actually took a risk and, you know, these risks sometimes they, they, they pay off and sometimes they don't. And obviously you had to contemplate the financial risk versus the reward of the experience, as Chris said. And as I said, it's refreshing that you, you took the risk, you dived in with it, grabbed it by both hands, and obviously, you know, you've ended up where you've ended up now because of it. Um, so it's just really nice to see um, from, from both of us, really. No, definitely. Now, of course, I, it's great. We've heard how you've got it, and, and that part, it's really important to hear for students and people who are trying to obviously be aspiring professionals. But I think the key thing, obviously, we want to get forward with our Life As series is understanding what you actually do and, and what a sponsorship sales coordinator does, for example. So... You know, the key thing I think is like if you explain sort of the function you're in, which is obviously the sales and commercial team, but sort of what the purpose of the team is for the tour and what your role with that team is. Yeah, no, exactly. so sales coordinator is probably, well, it is the, the, the juniorest level in terms of what our commercial team do. We are quite a small team when it comes to the responsibility that we do have in, within the business. But we what that does allow us to do is work very effectively in terms of we're able to bounce off each other and have regular chit chats and conversations that is you see businesses that have got 15 20 people in the department it makes it a little bit harder for them to be able to get the communication across um so what i kind of do is I, I i sit almost at the bottom of what our team is and working across all of our deals and, and all of our commercial commercial sales that we do um we've got from ranging from Ryder cup to european tour to host venues to tourism 
And that allows me to work then across both, not just our commercial team, but our partnership management team, our tourism team, our champ management team, who, who all have different responsibilities within the business. But at the end of the day, we're all working to the same goal, which is trying to get both money into the business, but then also being able to actually host and have a successful tournament that brings in both fans and then also attracts the, the big players to, to our tournaments to help create that experience better for, for everyone who's involved, really. Um, and what I kind of help work with is kind of orchestrate the behind the scenes side of everything. So we have people that go to market and, and people that sell for us who are above me in the business. But what I help do is kind of orchestrate that that package, that that proposal that then it, they're able to go and help and help sell, um, which is has its rewards definitely for sure. And then obviously sometimes it, it it does bounce back in your face where some things don't really end up being successful. And then you almost downplay it going like, Oh, I must've done something wrong or the p- proposal wasn't right. And it didn't sit right with how they wanted it to be, which has its benefits and its negatives. But, um, and obviously I, I obviously know for when I was there for my internship where you sat at a team, it wasn't like you guys were put in a different pedestal when you're at the sales team, no one talked to you. But like, obviously I know you liaise a lot with us at partnerships. Like what are the teams you liaise with the people who don't know like Callum and, and sort of is it important to liaise those teams? Yeah, and so why? I'd say the closest we probably deal with as well is, is our championship directors and championship management, which is our, our team that kind of help put together all, all the tournaments and, and, and the infrastructure and liaise with all the host venues or any contract suppliers that are there to kind of help assist with the builds. Um, we work quite closely with them because they're obviously working on a day-to-day basis with tournaments, budgets, allocations, anything from that. And, and a lot of that comes from tour sponsors or tournament sponsors themselves. So we kind of have to work with them to see what, if they've got anything barter-wise or which is... Uh, anything that they've got in their spend that we're able to kind of cut down from a sponsorship deal, then we work with them to kind of understand what they're really wanting so that we can then go to market and kind of, kind of work with them with, okay, you need uh, water. Let's go and speak to a water company or a a filter system that are able to install on the sites that cuts down our sustainability footprint or our carbon footprint because we've reduced plastic. What we're bringing into the into the business is not just beneficial in terms of money, but it's also beneficial for any sort of like sustainability goals that we've got or charity goals that we've got. Anything that can help take something away from them that also ticks a lot of boxes within the business that is something good for the business, but not just almost reaping the benefits of of just straight cash. But yeah, I'd say that probably. And then we've also got merchandise as well, which is. <laughs> it's own it's his own it's his own thing merchandise whole, whole new whole new team that yes yeah and and they've got they've obviously got a, a huge responsibility in in providing uniform to not only just people who are based in the office but people who are based in dubai or asia or america who who are representing the dp worlds on a on a daily basis and they need that that recognition that branding to kind of show that who they are and what they're representing and, and that's in such an important role and we we have to kind of work with them if we're speaking to any apparels or sh- footwears or what hats or anything like that really good good i mean look we'll, we'll scale it as, as simple now to um you know and for me you know i, I really want to know what is really your typical day-to-day you know the typical tasks that you conduct the type of people obviously i know you've said you're very 
cross team heavy in terms of obviously working together and liaising with them. But you know, what does your typical day to day and look like, and also what type of tasks are you conducting really? What day do you want of the week? <laughs> I mean, if you if you give you today or something, so we usually start off with just kind of like a, a team meeting of where we kind of seen and what we've got task wise and, and where I need to be and what I need to be doing to kind of help the team in any sort of way to kind of tick their boxes off through through the day by day stuff. So we might have a meeting for the end of the week that I need to work on. So I'll have meetings with the people that are required. So whether that's partnership management whether it's the JHT or Max who are part of the team, whether we need to arrange a call later today to kind of look at a brief that we've received from an agency and kind of assess how we want to position it and and what's the best way of putting our tour forward. Um, so then we'd, we discuss that and I'd then go off and kind of then, I, I almost, uh, I don't want to bring myself up, but I, I'm almost the master of all, commercial slides so the majority of all slides that we use as a business that we then go out and sell usually would came from me or have gone through me to then put in that position so i'm usually the person that then kind of uses multiple different decks that we've used where information is relevant to them and and putting that together and then we then create this 30 page document that would be a about us, why this fits, everything to kind of position them and that we can go to a prospect and kind of say, look, this is why this is the best opportunity for you and, and why we do better than football or tennis or F1. And, 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 and it's always that competition of you've got to put yourself at that best foot forward because at the end of the day, we are competing against businesses and rights holders such as football, F1, tennis, which are ginormous rights holders yes Uh, and it's always that challenge that you've got to kind of put yourself in that better that better light which is a which is always great it's always it's always that 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 feeling of every time you produce something it's it gets better and better and and it when you get that recognition especially from the team that i work with when they recognize it and then also from the prospects or agencies if they turn around to me and say oh, the, the proposal was fantastic, then it's almost like a mini win because, I mean, they probably say that to every other rights holder that they say it to just to kind of boost their confidence. But knowing that it's kind of came from me and, and the team, it is great. Um, so that's kind of the main thing that I do in terms of building that proposition, proposals and, and structuring how we want to sell. Um, and then you've would you just- say that's, would you say that's the most enjoyable part of your job is that that appreciation from the, the client or you know the prospect as you said you know is it that that fact that feeling of value that you've brought to them or you know what what is the most enjoyable part about your role 100 percent. that that is something that, that that it it's it's a mini win it, it's something that it kind of because it gives you recognition of what your role is in with the business is having that positive effect on what we are doing as as, as an overall business and that we're getting recognized of being able to produce something that is actually worthwhile. It, it's not time wasting. It's not tacky. It's not rushed. It's something that they can understand that there's been a lot of time and effort that's been put through this and that there's some real thought from not just myself, but the whole team and, and whoever else has been involved from a different part of the business that we've not just thrown this together and copied it from something else. We've sat down we've assessed the brief that you've provided us with and, and, and we've positioned ourselves in the best way that 
doesn't just suit us, but just it also suits you and, and ticks your boxes. And kind of moving from that then, so I think it's clear we know what your role is and, and your role within the team, but what would you say kind of the, the main kind of skills, it, it will link to what we get on later on about how helping other students, but what kind of main skills are essential do you think and what you do looking at it as a whole? And is there kind of any characteristics that you think are very key for, for doing your job well and um, as well as kind of fitting in the team and what kind of type of person you have yeah, to be? Yeah, no, I mean from a a processing part i mean any sort of merit computer skills nowadays is something that is ginormous and depends no matter what business you're going into your ability to use powerpoint excel words and even teams and zoom now because of because of uh because of covid um it's definitely yeah. something that's is definitely becoming more and more important within businesses we're now moving to such a strong digital world that being able to have the ability to edit things online and and upload documents, whether it's in the Dropbox or Teams or anything that you use as a, as a business, then any sort of small advantage you can get that has that sort of ability to put you ahead of any sort of competitor. Um, I think the very young stigma that goes, well, old stigma that goes around is that young people are very good at uh, te- anything with technology. And it is true, we are. And, and it's something that we shouldn't be afraid of having. It's something that you should definitely turn around and say, yeah, yeah, I can do that and not say and not hide away going like, oh, I'm not sure. If you know how to do it, say it and get on with it. At the end of the day, they'll get recognition from it. In terms of actual personality traits, the biggest one, especially as a young person going into such a big business is, is confidence. What's the saying? There's no such thing as a stupid question, only a stupid answer or something. And that's true. And it's definitely something that I got when I was doing my internship is that at the time you're there, you're there to kind of understand a business and and, and talk to these people that have been in the industry for mm. years um, and have had the experiences. And yes, they've been in your position before and they understand where you're coming from with any question you've got, because your time there is to ask the mm-hmm. questions, is to learn what you are doing and, and, and get that understanding whether this is for you. And, and sometimes you might turn around and go, oh, this is not for me, this, and I don't want to be part of this. And you kind of have then the ability to kind of get a better understanding. And, and that's something that you've kind of got mm. to do is question, ask questions. Just if you've got any problems, any issues, you don't understand something, then ask them. Because if they don't answer the question, then if you're then being, you're then struggling to get understanding, then you almost lower your abilities. And then once you lower your abilities, the team's abilities lower down because they've not been able to, to help yeah. you. And so it's definitely something that I had when I first joined both my placement and when I rejoined back for my actual job is that I was just asking questions to try and get an understanding or what does RFP mean? What does B2B mean? What does B2C? Because at the time I'm only what, 19, 18, 19, I hadn't really been put in the position to kind of use that type of terminology. And then future down the line, you might go to a job interview and people might ask you a question. You might have never heard it before if you hadn't asked the question, but if you're now asking it, then it will always, something will always come down the line where you'll kind of go, I I know the answer to this because I asked a question when I was at this job or doing this piece of work. And so I'd go with that, don't be afraid to ask questions or to speak up if you don't feel confident about something because at the end of the day as a team you're all there to work for one thing and they're they're going to be there to support you to help make sure that 
you don't let the team down and and but then also if you do go and move on then you've got the experience and knowledge that that they gave you see that seems so that seems so simple you know and that that seems to be quite apparent i know you're laughing now but it, it seems to be so simple that even just asking a question and we all get told to do it we all get told at school to do it throughout university to do it and we never really take it upon ourselves to actually do it until we're plunged in the deep end to go, I actually need to ask this question. Otherwise, I, I don't have a clue what you're on about. The thing is, there's for people who are just too keen, they just think they're too keen. Or they look yeah. a bit like, oh, like, I'm trying really hard. Like, no one, like, no one's going to, no one will ever turn around and go, oh, be quiet. Or no, I've come too busy for you. They'll just say, they will either answer it for you or they'll say, listen, you know, We'll have a chat about it in 30 minutes and I'll run you through it. Yeah. Like I remember, I remember when Alex showed, Alex had to have a chat with me uh, when I first started. (laughs) I remember you were showing me about all sponsorship. You showed me this presentation and you were showing me it all. And I was asking you questions here and there, everything to the point. I mean, I was just asking you questions because I wanted to be interested in what was going on, but I didn't ever saw it as a, oh, you know, I think they're going to see me as too keen because I think in the professional you're world, not, you're not bugging them. No, you're not bugging them though, no, because if you don't ask the question, then you try and do the actual, the actual either the the task or anything like that, and then you get it wrong. They're going to be more annoyed, or the fact that you're less competent than what you were if you would have just asked the question in the first place. And that, and like you said, it's that thing of that you always think you're bugging them, you're bugging the lecturer, or the lecturer, not the lecturer, your boss. <laughs> you're bugging them because you've got to ask them what in their eyes is probably a very simple question and it's or they always think that oh god they think i'm going to be incompetent because i'm asking them what does this mean but actually they're more than happy to give you five minutes or they might not say they might not turn around and say oh let's do it now they might turn around and say like you said chris yeah we'll talk about it in half an hour and you talk about it and and it's it's almost better when they do that because they then can dedicate a certain amount of time of their day to then actually talk to you about something whereas instead of it just being a, a pass-off question and, and a short answer you then you don't get a chance to follow up with any other points they might say oh it means this and you kind of go oh what does that mean and you still don't fully understand it whereas they kind of dedicate some time to say oh let's talk about it in five ten minutes and we can go through it um and it's definitely something that i know i'm partial for it i sometimes just try and crack on with a thing that I've been set and have not really understood what I've not understood the brief or what they're trying to get from something or, and JHT and Max might have a better understanding because they've been in the core with it. And I've just gone off and tried to do this whole proposal and, and, and try and work on something when in my head, I know that I don't really understand what I'm doing. And then I'm like, I can't go back and ask them a question now because I should have done it then. And, and then you, I'm in too deep. Yeah. I'm in too deep. Yeah. Literally. And you keep pointing it off and yeah. <laughs> and then you end up doing the proposal at the end and you go, well, you've not understood it. And you kind of go, ah, I should have asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, look, so, uh, you know, after sharing what you've done, obviously gone through some of the good characteristics, the good skills that, you know, would be beneficial for your role. Um, you know, it's all been a great insight, especially for me, someone who's not in the industry and obviously, you know, has never been a sales coordinator. Um, there'll be students out there that are like, you know, I'd love to do that, but what can really get me there? So, I mean, like if you're, if you were a student now, you know, what would you be looking to do to really bulk out of the CV or make you sort Mm -hmm. of stand out 
to enable you to hit the ground running in this role. question. The there's one thing that I learned, especially when I was at the BMW uh, PGA Champs this year, and Chris obviously there as well, is that there was a bunch of guys who were based as runners working at the event, and they only work maybe four four weeks before the tournament, four weeks after the tournament. They have that eight week period and. And they kind of have a chance to go to the tournament and work behind the scenes and see how a golf tournament is kind of organised. And half of them are all university students. They're all wanting to get involved because they've seen it advertised somewhere. Maybe that's from the university or something that they might have seen online or on LinkedIn. Um, I know a couple of them had connections that were working there already. So that also is a bonus. But it's that want and drive to kind of actively and like we said before the word proactively it, nothing's ever gonna land on the doorstep you've got to be willing to to put the time and effort in, in into looking at, at things like that and and that's what they've done they've they've gone out and proactively applied to be this runner at a tournament which has gave them eight weeks experience at a rolex series event one of the largest tournaments not only on uh the DP World Tour, but in global golf, it's it's it's, it's a ginormous tournament, and have them now they have the ability to have that on their CV puts them miles ahead already of any other person that's on the same course as them that's just been sat at home for summer and and put their feet up. So it's that ability to to want want it. You, you can't, like I said, you can't expect it just to appear on the table. Do, do you know what? Um, actually, talking about those runners, Alec, they were really like keen about how I was going about getting a job. And I did say to them, I was like, but the thing is, you guys are asking all these questions about where to network or how, but I said to them, like, you guys are all in the best spot. The fact that they were working behind the scenes in, I mean, a big event, we always had B&W walking through the doors of our of the office on site. We had agencies walking around. I mean, they could, have, they could easily, if they wanted to, do their runner job, walk around and sneak off for a bit and have a chat with someone or try to. But I said to them, like, you guys are in the best spot. Like, you're doing better than I was at your age. And I think to take that for as a student is put yourself in a position, I think, that you can get access to them, but you're not doing the job you want. So you may be doing something that you don't really have full interest in, but you're not going to do it long term because you're only there temporary in the summer. But you have access to people in that industry, people who are relevant. Um, And so that's quite an interesting way to look at it. I think students will always, I feel like students are in the best position for it because you're lecturers and people there are there to help you they've got years of experience majority of them have came out of sports industries to come into lecturing so they've got connections themselves they've got friends who are um working in sports industries or anything like that and i've i'm connected with all my lecturers on linkedin um and they are very actively sharing job roles placement opportunities at like the great north run or anything newcastle football club sunderland anything in the local area where their students are based so they can actually see it because they their first thing they do is when they show the we do our linkedin thing at at universities they turn around and say we'll connect with us we're very active on it and we share things that and opportunities for you to get involved in so would you use your lecturers they are there to help you sometimes they might not respond to your emails first thing but if you do show that you are keen, then they are willing to, they will be willing to to have that time to to meet with them and, and kind of for them to kind of say, listen, I can speak to X, Y, Z who are based at Durham Cricket Club and 
Durham might have a cricket match or a, a test series that's taking place and they can get you can get a job there working as a, a runner or something there and and that's how it kind of starts and it's just getting that ball rolling really. it is it's that it is that it's that snowball effect and I think I'm I'm in the same well I was in similar boats to probably the students that you're really talking about that you know I need to probably connect to with my, my lecturers and know that's a basic thing to do um you know because I've seen from the couple that I am, you know, they do post jobs and it is immensely helpful. Now, if it's not your cup of tea, you know, it'll be someone else's cup of tea. So, you know, even if something as simple as that is even just a great starting point, really. Um, so, yeah, I really hope people take obviously that advice on. I think it's important. But obviously about yourself and where obviously you are now, you know, you've been there for a while and, you're, you know, obviously it's always about moving forward. What's the next thing? You know, what would you like to be doing? If we were, for example, to talk to you in a year's time or two or three years time, what would you want to be doing? Is it taking more of a direct sales approach and being in front of the client? Is it more moving to a different area? So what? where's your head at? Well, I mean, I'm very happy where I am at the minute in terms of where what I'm doing at the tour. Um, where we are now as a business, especially with this DP World Agreement, I think it's only going to do good for the for the tour, for golf. Um so it'd be probably the wrong time to kind of step out of it. Of course. Um, in terms of a year or so, I'm, I'm hoping that that development comes through. It always is something that plays on your mind that if the day comes where you, you've, you've you know, say you've been made redundant or the, the team's reshuffled and, and, and you're not required to do what you're doing anymore, then it's always that back worry that have I got the skills to be able to go somewhere else and, and kind of, take on not not a same role but almost any sort of role do I have them skills that have I taken enough benefits from what I get from the tour now to be able to go somewhere confidently being like I can willingly compete against the other 50 applicants that are applying for this one role and and that's where I think this year this coming year especially with COVID hopefully fingers crossed is is going to die down a little bit and, and hopefully I'll be able to get that chance to get that development in again and and really try and start benefiting from what the tour can offer and whether that's going to tournaments to get more of an understanding or meeting their clients face to face and and building that relationship with our, our prospects and our current partners as well and I know that we've got a lot that have came on recently and are working across multiple things so having that chance to kind of build my own network almost of, of, of connections so that if I do end up getting going somewhere or something happens that I can go in somewhere with my, my address book and go, I know this person, this person, this person from these businesses and, 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 and use that to my upper advantage against other people that might be coming in with nobody or, or, or a lot less people that are qualified. So it's definitely there. It's definitely in terms of what I want to do is just getting that development again and, and still continuing to learn. Uh, like it's two years, which is a long time, but in a lifetime, it's not long at all. In, in my in my work career, it's only just really began and, and it's still beginning. So I'm still learning. I'm still getting to, getting to terms with the uh, the terminology and, and, and how to sell and, and stuff like that. And, and, and I'm very fortunate that the team I'm surrounded by are, are willing to support me through what I'm doing so yeah no it's it's definitely in the, I'm definitely in the right position at the minute for for where I am in my career so it's, it sounds like it and it's it's good to hear you know and from from me and Chris obviously you know it's, it's fantastic to hear that you're happy where you are it's always good to always 
think ahead, but you know, you're, you're only thinking ahead as uh, sort of maybe the next year, which again is always good because, as you said, you've got exciting things coming up. Hopefully, COVID will eventually become more manageable. So it means you can actually go to these events and you know, live life yes, how you want 100%, it to be. 100%, 100%, fingers, fingers crossed. I think, I think that's everything for me, you know, especially from an outsider. You've you've given a great overview of your role. It's been obviously great to, to catch up, meet you finally as well. Uh, Chris said an awful lot from his days over at the European Tour. So, no, nothing more from me. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and obviously, you know, thanks. Thanks for coming on, Ali. It's been really good. Listen, like, understanding what you're doing. And as well, I think I'm so glad you mentioned the key parts of being proactive and being keen and and I never knew how you actually got the role at the European Tour and hearing that because I don't think it's talked about enough I really hope you know people take a lot from it so I appreciate your time me and Callum you know thank you for having me all of you who have tuned in for this episode thank you very much we hope this episode has highlighted the key characteristics needed to be a sales coordinator within the industry we have big big plans coming over the next couple of weeks and months Keep tuning in to find out. This has been our first episode of 2022 and from both of us here on this AP Sports Podcast. Happy New Year and we'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye.